Welcome to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. Eight-time divisional all-star and seven-time CFL all-star, number 97, Doug Brown. You cross that stripe, you have to play like a professional, and Doug Brown certainly will do that game in and game out. That's right. It is The Waggle podcast brought to you by us here at the CFL cfl.ca i'm donald bennett he's enoch wamba he's gonna be really nice this week because all-star fan voting is now open so he would appreciate a vote uh, he's probably a shoe in but you can vote up to three times so don't just vote once voting closes october 31st so make sure you get all of those all-star nominees we're lucky uh, because we have someone who set the standard in terms of playing at a high level uh in this league uh all-star all-world player uh Doug Brown joins us, uh, and, and Enoch, Doug, has been complaining all the time. Quarterbacks get all the love in this league. Where are the defenders? Where are the big men in the trenches? So he's been lobbying that we need to balance uh, the scales, and so uh, we're so blessed to be able to holler at you. Thank you for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fascinated because, uh, you know, one of my uh, traits that I sh- struggle at is jealousy. Uh, and I- I'm fascinated for, for someone like you or someone like Milt Stiegel or someone like Kevin Glenn, who played at such a high level, at a championship level for so long, um, lifting, you know, a franchise. You know, how you guys uh, experience, and you're really experiencing every game because you're calling it, um, you, you know, giving the color on radio, experience. This brand new stadium, all these great resources, you know, now what looks like Wade Miller put together a dynasty. Um, you know, how do you experience seeing all of that up close and personal um, when, when, you know, the stadium and the resources were not the same when you were putting in um, <laughs> great work? You know, I, I'm just happy for the fans. I think the situation, uh, it, it got ridiculous, right? It was long overdue that they got their first championship in so long. And uh, fast forward now, now they're looking to accomplish this group, this uh, ownership regime, this group of coaches, these players. They're looking to do something that no other Winnipeg uh, Blue Bomber football team has ever done before. So uh, I would say throughout the years of this uh, this ball club, in terms of infrastructure and so on and so forth, there's been a, a, a constant uh, evolution. Things have always gotten better. Um, and uh, they're certainly at the pinnacle right now with the way this football team is playing uh, on a week-in and week-out basis and largely the culture that they've built down at the Winnipeg Football Club. So when they finally break the drought, you know, the epic parade, give me an anecdote, one story that jumps to mind, one person you're really happy for. Is there one specific thing that you think paints the picture on how big of a moment that was for the community? (laughs) You know, when you say... 2019 Grey Cup, which was the, you know, by by 2021, it was old hat. By now, it's just kind of expected, right? They're just, oh, another Grey Cup. But uh, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, 2019, two things when you said that popped to mind. Uh, the first was watching uh, Bob Irving drink from the Grey Cup, okay? Bob Irving was the the play-by-play guy since 74 for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I remember when I started with him in 2012, he said to me, Doug, I just hope the Bombers can win one more Grey Cup before I die, is what he said. So to see him actually drink from the cup, that was good. And then I think what really kind of summed it up for me 
and uh, you know, really symbolizes, wraps everything in, kind of encapsulates the entire uh, uh, achievement. I think was the Chris Strevler outfit, just with the fur coat and no shirt, and the Oakley glasses and the hat and chugging beer. I mean, that really represented Winnipeg very nicely on the parade down through Portage and Maine when uh, when the drought was finally ended. So uh, those two memories certainly uh, wrap it up for me in terms of uh, this this football franchise getting over the hump. So before Enoch gets a question in, I, I need to know, because you had him as a rook, what's your best Enoch story? And hopefully the one that Enoch doesn't want you to tell us. My best Enoch Mwamba story, my goodness. You know, so you, you were number one overall, weren't you, right? Massive expectations, right? And uh, But it's not quite the same. You know, you always have to kind of pace yourself in the sense that this is not an NFL number one overall draft pick. This is a guy coming out of a, a Canadian school and so the jump to the pros is going to be, uh, it's going to take a little bit longer. And uh, he gets the attention right away. I, I always remember Enoch was a super, super cool kid and a very nice, very humble, um, very, very uh, uh, accepting and, and wanting to learn and improve. But I remember watching him play first little bit. And I think, who did I go over and talk to at the time? I was a general manager at the time and I was like, so he's gonna get better, right? That's that's the question. I I I, <laughs> I wasn't sure, and I, I mean Enoch, you really came into. You. I started broadcasting 2012 after I retired 2011, and you probably was it midway through 2012, or maybe it might have not even been till 2013 where you started. You figured it out. You stopped thinking about the game. And you figured it out and you just started reacting. And I noticed immediately, I'm like, okay, he's he's finally got it because he was you he was certainly overwhelmed. I would say when Enoch initially took that jump, like all Canadian recruits did. It was I mean, I was no different when I had my first training camp in ninety-seven down in Buffalo. You're you're a deer in headlights. And the leaps and bounds you have to progress. It's just funny when you see a guy that, that gets to a, a very high level, the top level of the game, and to, from where he came from. That's what amuses me the most, right? Because uh, not only is it a, a testament to the amount of work that has to go in and, and the study and the effort, but uh, it just it shows you, like even when you're the top prospect pick, you have so much you have to do to uh, accomplish anything in the professional ranks. It's 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 uncanny. It's unbelievable. His his transformation's been uh, it blew me away early early on in his career for sure. Wait, before Enoch jumps in, did that? What was the answer from the general manager? Did he say he was going to get better? Because if it was me, <laughs> yeah, he said I would have been like, said. "Be better, or else we're both going to be gone." He said, "I hope so." Right, there you go. That's what he said. <laughs> Uh, you're playing a different role, but still, uh, you know, part of the Bomber family. Um, transition from the field directly to the booth and doing some color. You know, once again, paving a way for Enoch potentially. Uh, how have you uh, enjoyed that that transition? A different perspective, um, but but still close to the game. What, what's it been like for you? Yeah, it's pretty weird at first, you know, because you're still going to the stadium. There, there was no break, right? I, I finished playing in 2011, 2012. I was still going to every single game, right? 
And uh, obviously, you don't feel the same the next day after win, lose, or draw, and you're you're kind of not uh, as invested in what's going on. You're not as culpable anymore. Um, but uh, you, I don't. Know, it gives you it gives you perspective, right? You understand how fortunate you were, how lucky you were to to play and be in that uh, in that environment. And uh, you're certainly envious, uh, especially around teams that are going on right now. You're like, oh, if I could just. You know, why couldn't I play with this regime in this stadium with these guys? You know, it's uh, it's great that it keeps you close to the game and immersed in it and uh, on top of it. And you love to see, you know, the fan reaction and their rejoicing in success. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it can be challenging at the same time for sure because uh, you have to really recognize you're in a very different role, right? So, um, you don't have uh, – it's a whole different uh, code of decorum in terms of how you handle yourself uh, as a former athlete in, in an entirely different business. Well, you're still representing them well in and outside the booth, uh, still in that community. And maybe, you know, as we have some games that don't matter, maybe you can uh, give a call to Michael Shea and say, hey, look, sign me to a 10-day. Let me take some of these reps. Uh, you know, give Willie Jefferson and the boys some rest. Uh, and we can get down on the field and, and uh, make some plays. From coast to coast to east versus west, it's time again to let them know what more you've got. 10,000 yards. More will, more skill, more leave it on the field. Because it's win <laughs> or go home. So let them know. This year, you'll be raising more than the bar. The chase to the great cup is on. Let him know. Amazing of Doug Brown to spend a little bit of his Thanksgiving weekend uh, to talk to us and set up uh, what's going to be a great stretch run here in the CFL. Before we talk about the games coming up, let's actually reflect back to Thanksgiving weekend presented by Pure Later. Uh, in, in the first game of the week, Hamilton with the close win over Saskatchewan. 1814. It's not necessarily uh, an automatic CFL classic, certainly, but a big game for Hamilton. They cut the deficit behind Saskatchewan to one game with a game in hand. Um, it, Hamilton, you know, could they make a run? They're five and three at home with all of their wins this year coming at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, and Saskatchewan obviously had the real opportunity to extend that gap to three games between them and Hamilton and almost assuredly put themselves in a prime position for crossover. And now we're going to have to play this thing out. Uh, and, and their losing streak continues to five games, longest since 2016. But Enoch, for me, the, the, the biggest takeaway from this game is Cody Fajardo. Sacked seven times, running for his life. Um, I, I don't even know if I can evaluate the way he played because I'm not sure if he was able to play on schedule all afternoon. Uh, no, DB, you hit it on the nail. I mean, seven times in one night, you can't expect to win a game at this level um, in any any league. And so it's, it's, it's just impossible for him to perform the way that you expect a quarterback to perform. And so it's just tough to ever win a game. Uh, he's been sacked more than 20 times more than any other quarterback in the league. And I'm not one to defend quarterbacks often, but that is just unacceptable, and it's just tough luck for him. And so, to me, when you look at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, there's got to be more than just Corey Fajardo. There's more than just that offensive line even. 
I would look at coaching staff. I look at play calling. There's got to be a different way to do things because at the end of the day, hey, look, the guys that are up front in front of Cody Fajardo are not going to change. And so at this point, there's got to be a different way to call certain things. And so, um, you know, we got to just find a way to be a little bit more creative in the play calling for them to have any chance at one, making the playoffs and crossing over, making the playoffs and even being successful, period. But with an offensive line and no protection like that for a quarterback, it's just tough to win a game, let alone a playoff game. Well, there was uh, a lot of sad faces walking around Toronto this weekend because the baseball team, the Blue Jays, struggled in the wild card, failed to win a playoff game, lost in epic fashion. But I suppose the silver lining was the Toronto Argonauts in Toronto uh, were able to get a dub and uh, really solidify you know, their prospects going into the playoffs against a playoff-worthy opponent in D.C., an opponent that last time they met – BC won 44-3, put it on you. It was a back-and-forth game, but behind the arm of Bethel Thompson, thrown for 352 and a big tight late uh, to Tommy Neal, was, you were able to get the, the W. This felt like, you know, an October early playoff game before we got to the playoffs. Um, you know, what was it like to, to be a part of? Listen, at, at this point, DB, if you're not the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the game is extremely important. And so, and that was the case for, you know, this past game as well. The, you know, BC Lions, obviously they want to continue to win. They want to place themselves in the best situation for them to, uh, uh, you know, enter into the playoffs. And obviously we want to stay as a, you know, Argonauts, stay in the same position that we're in right now as we enter into the playoffs as well. And every game matters and every game is going to uh, have playoff implications that, um, will follow suit as well. So every game is important, and because of that, every game right now going forward will be extremely interesting and and uh, important for every single team playing. Uh, to be in that game this past week was amazing. Uh, obviously, coming out with the dub is always a good thing. Uh, but you know, we had a bunch of different people in different positions. So for us, really, it had a lot to do with hey, figuring out who's replacing who and who's going to pick up which job, and so. Uh, you know, the amazing thing for us is the fact that although we did lose multiple guys in the previous game versus the Ottawa Red Blacks, we are able to figure out right now, hey, look, who's going to replace which guy and who is going to fill in for that person and how and what can we expect from that person as well. So uh, it's actually a good thing for us where we can figure out those, uh, answer those questions right before entering into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, it's exciting just to grab a win and, uh, you know, position ourselves as we enter into the playoffs. We mentioned Winnipeg. Uh, their games moving forward in the regular season don't matter, but the last one they had did. And as per usual, they got the victory over Edmonton, who now their games don't matter either because they're officially eliminated. Guys are just playing for jobs and really respect at this point. Uh, Winnipeg has won seven straight now against Edmonton, the longest streak in the 84-year history of the two teams competing and we, we talked about what they've got wrapped up but the real question is they're rolling right now they're in rhythm offensively they scored on their first four possessions it's like they were playing on air Dembski TD catch again TD catches in the last six games uh, Zach Caleros had a real efficient game 15 of 17 for three TDs and 241 he's now 23rd all-time in passing yards in the league with 24,279. 
it, which is crazy to see how he's really quickly priming up that list. But it, it, if you look at that Winnipeg team and they're on a roll, do you really want to break that up and, and have guys sit for an extended period of time? Or is health wealth? And do you want to take advantage of the hard work you've put into this point and make sure you guys are rested when it counts? Listen, first of all, DB, we got to talk about Dalton Sean. I mean, this young man is playing lights out and – you know, it, it seems like no one can stop him. And I talked about it last week. He doesn't seem like he's got to be that he's going to be the guy. And I don't know at least, uh, you know, how many teams prior to playing them or prior to the last couple of weeks have been putting him down as the one to watch as a defensive, you know, uh, staff. But going forward, you have no choice but to because if you don't, he was going to hurt you. And so, you know, kudos to the kid. And, uh, you know, he's doing an amazing job. And we might as well hand him the Rookie of the Year award um, right now because he is running away with it. Uh, but going forward, that is going to be the question. Week in and week out, how much am I letting my guys play? Um, you know, Michael Shea is going to have to ask himself that question. And it's going to be tough. And, and you obviously don't want anything bad to happen going forward. But that's what you're going to be thinking about. And some of the guys, some of the players are going to be thinking about it. And um, it's going to be interesting to see going forward what kind of decision he's going to be making going forward. But at the end of the day, hey, look, it's football. You can't think about too much the worst that can happen. But, uh, you know, you got to step up and you got to play for as long as coach, you know, requires me of, uh, of playing. So it's going to be interesting to see going forward who is going to play where, how long, who's going to play. And, uh you know, where they go. Because at the end of the day, hey, look, they're going to be in the big dance in the in the Western uh, Conference. Now it's about preparing yourself and continuing to remain not just in shape, but also, you talked about it, in rhythm going into the, uh, the Great Cup. Because, hey, I asked the question to Doug Brown, who is the person or who is the team that he thinks is the most dangerous one? And the crazy part, and this is one of the main reasons why I love this game, DB, is because... Anything can happen any single day in any game. And so it's going to be interesting to see because it's going to be the team that gels on that particular day. And it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done throughout the regular season. That game is going to matter, and that game will determine who is the better team. Well, you mentioned anything can happen on any day. I don't think many people expected Ottawa with an interim coach to upset Montreal, who had standback back and activated but that's exactly what happened. Bobby Dice gets the win as an interim and the game ball. Ottawa snaps a three-game losing streak, and they it's a long shot, but they're not yet mathematically eliminated. Um, and, and, and this was a real interesting game because Montreal had the opportunity to clinch not only a playoff spot, but a home playoff date. Uh, and then they go one and six in the red zone. On the flip side, Ottawa with Will Arndt, 29 years old, former QB, is the QB coach calling plays. Look real settled offensively. Did Arbuckle with, with that voice in his ear? Uh, they 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 were you know really really you know getting up to the line of scrimmage and firing off the ball and being efficient. Um, in you know they had 11 first downs in the second half before Montreal had one. Montreal actually went 20 minutes the entire third quarter without uh, a first down. I was really surprised to see Ottawa looking more prepared and showing more fight in this game than Montreal did. Um, you know, I know you're happy with the outcome, uh, but were, were you surprised on, on the proceedings 
that led to that outcome? I, I was a little bit surprised, but I can't say that I didn't kind of think this was a possibility. I was actually talking to one of my teammates and, uh, you know, of course, at this stage in, in the season, you know, everybody is, is window watching people and the different teams and where they are in the standings and who they're playing as well while, while you're not playing. And, and we're talking about this particular game as well. And, and I said, hey, look, be careful because uh, Ottawa could come with a renewed fire uh, just because of that coaching staff. I mean, it means a lot and it does a lot to a team when you got a different voice talking to you. And as a player, if your coach, you know, that you had this whole season has just left and you know that this is going to be your coach for the foreseeable future, you want to prove to him that you are the type of person that belongs in that locker room and that is going to create a, a, a major impact for this team. And so I knew that there would have been, there's a possibility that there could be a lot of fire into these guys. And some of the guys that I talked to in the locker room as well in Ottawa were saying that, you know, they're excited for Bobby Dyson. He's a guy that everybody loves in the locker room, and they're excited to play for. So, you know, Montreal has Ottawa one more time next week, and I, hopefully it's going to be the same outcome. But this is the type of stuff that happens when a coaching staff change occurs in the middle of a season. And this is the reason why, really, some general managers uh, make these type of decisions in the middle of a, of a season as opposed to at the end of a regular season because changes like these – can be extremely impactful for a team, and who knows for how long. And, uh, you know, for Bobby Dice, this is a really good look. And this it's really time for him to take over a team and uh, and run the show. I can't agree more. Uh, things are starting to get close and heat up in the East. Uh, we're going to take a look at the standings after this break. We know CFL fans play as hard as they work, so here's your chance to hit the trails and explore. CF Moto Canada. Timber Mart and the CFL are teaming up to offer you a chance to score one of five CF Moto Z Force 950 ORVs. CF Moto ORVs are the best equipped on the market and the perfect ride to help Canadians experience more. Enter today by going to cfl.ca slash Z Force giveaway. All right, now let's take a look at the standings as we make our way down the road to the Great Cup. As you know, in the West, Winnipeg. Far and away the best team, four and two. Have everything locked up. We will see you for the West Final in November. BC is behind at 10 and five. They've punched their ticket to the playoffs, as has Calgary at 10 and five. Saskatchewan fourth at six and 10, looking for that crossover spot, which they still have right now by the skin of their teeth. And fifth, Edmonton is four and 12. They will be golfing after the regular season is over. That is not the case for the Toronto Argonauts in the East. As Enoch well knows, the only team to punch their ticket to the playoffs thus far at 9-6 and six and in first place. Montreal behind them at 7-8. and eight. Hamilton at 5-10 and 10 and third. And Ottawa is 4-11 and 11 now. Both have an opportunity to catch up with Saskatchewan and make sure they punch their ticket to the playoffs and win the crossover. And in a rare case that Hamilton goes on a run and Montreal falls back to the pack. Hamilton could catch Montreal potentially for second in the East. Having said all that, it really matters who you play. Hamilton is in contention because they've got Calgary, but then Ottawa and Ottawa to finish the season. Saskatchewan has a much tougher schedule. They do get a bye, but they have Calgary in a home-and-home 
to end the year. And Calgary and BC obviously still in that fight to finish with a home playoff game hosting on November 6th. So, so with all of that context, you know, let's get right into the game previews. And the first one has real consequence. Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, what do you know? A rematch, Montreal going to Ottawa. Quick turnaround for this home and home. We know that you're rooting for Bobby Dice, and it, it will look good on his resume in terms of getting a head coaching gig in Ottawa or elsewhere if he keeps Ottawa on a roll. What do you expect to see on Friday Night Football? Well, first of all, I'm a big Bobby Dice fan, so that's the first thing you need to know. But uh, I'm excited, man. It, it, it's almost like it's a whole new team. It's a whole uh, a new season for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and it's amazing to see and one for Bobby Dice, but also just for the team as a, as a whole. They look like they're playing with more passion. They look like they're playing with a lot of fire when they went to Montreal in the nest to take a game. And now they got to come back and do it at home. And, uh, you know, they haven't been able to do much as far as winning at home. This is going to be a great opportunity with a whole new uh, coaching staff, I guess, uh, just a whole new a head coach, it's going to be great to see for the fa the fans out in Ottawa to be able to see at least witness a win in this season. So Montreal, of course, is hungry for a win. They want to continue to climb and move closer to that number one spot. But Ottawa, to me, DB, looks like a team that wants to do major damage. And it's going to be interesting to see only for the simple fact that it got extremely chippy near the end of the game, and it seems like, it looked like Nick Arbuckle seemed like he was getting on a roll, he was feeling a little bit better, he was getting a little bit more comfortable with the offense. I don't know if it just was had to do with the coaching change, or he just got to that place by himself, but they looked like a better offense, and even in uh, on defense as well, putting a lot more pressure on Trevor Harris. He was never really comfortable, if you, if you watch the game, and so... It's going to be interesting to see because Montreal's got a bow up, and we always talk about that trap game. Well, it was last week. There's no way this week is going to be another trap game. Montreal's going to be ready to go, and uh, this game is definitely going to be one of those to watch for sure. The doubleheader on Friday certainly is not a trap game. A game with huge meaning. 9.30 p.m. Eastern, Hamilton goes to Calgary. Tough draw for Hamilton, but both of these teams – need a win uh, what are you looking for in this matchup man the, every single game this week is going to be meaningful it's going to matter and hamilton going to calgary is going to be another one of those it's going to be tough going to calgary is never easy to go and play not just because of the air and the changes the change in time zone for the tiger cats but it's going to be a, it's always a tough place to play out there in mcmahon stadium for the tiger cats they have to go out there and execute to the best of their ability. And if they have any mistakes, offensively or defensively, the Calgary uh, Stampeders will not make mistakes. And that's one of the things that they do very well out there in Calgary DB, I'll tell you. And they've done this historically, and they continue to do that even this year. They do not make a lot of mistakes. They wait for their opponents to make mistakes, and they capitalize off of those. And that is what they've, they're going to do this week, and that's the thing to watch for me. Uh, who is going to make the most mistakes? Because the other team is going to capitalize. Uh, Edmonton looking to capitalize on one of their few chances left. 
to get a home win this season and end that streak. They only got two. They are hosting in the front end of a Saturday doubleheader, 7 p.m. Eastern, your Toronto Argonauts, trap game potentially. They also have BC in week 20 at home because they've got a bye in week 21. Is it a trap game? And do you think the Elks actually care about whether or not they get a home win this season? I definitely do think that they care. Um, I don't think that I've, I've been coached by Chris Jones before, and I know the kind of attitude and atmosphere he brings, he brings to a locker room. And I know for a fact that in there, he's putting a lot of pressure on every single man to play well and play to the best ability or else you're going to be gone. I mean, I don't think he has to say it. He's done it multiple times throughout the, the course of the season. And so, I, for that simple fact, I know that it's not going to be a trap game. And if it is for anybody in our locker room, I will remind every single person that this is not the team to count out for sure. And so we're excited to go out there in Edmonton and show what we've got. And like I said earlier, we are not taking anything for granted. And just because of the simple fact that we're placed, uh, we're number one right now in the East, uh, we know and we understand that every game matters, not just for the standings, but for where we want to be when the playoffs comes around, just because we want to figure out exactly, like I mentioned earlier, who needs to be where and how we're going to function as a team. And so these, all these games are going to be extremely important for us as we continue to prepare for this push for the Great Cup. The back end of that doubleheader on Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, Winnipeg goes to B.C. Incredibly important for B.C., not so much for Winnipeg. Which makes this interesting because of the competitive balance. You know, does Winnipeg play their starters, make sure that everything's on the up and up? Because BC and Calgary are fighting for, you know, playoff positioning. Or would Winnipeg prefer to see BC and maybe prefer to have them have a home field advantage? Either way, this will be a good measuring stick for Vernon Adams. What intrigues you about this matchup between Winnipeg and BC? I, I don't anticipate seeing much of the starters in the second half. I don't anticipate seeing Willie Jefferson, you know, Adam Big Hill, uh, Zach Kolaris, and maybe even Dalton Schoen in the second half of this game. And so BC, for them, what I would do is definitely stick around for as long as you can and play the best game. Obviously, you go in there wanting to win the game, but definitely that second half is going to be the the, the the part of the game that they have to capitalize off of in order to to, to get the W out there while they're going to be home hosting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's going to be an, a huge game for them. And like you mentioned, it doesn't mean much for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but for the simple fact that they got to continue to, one, remain in shape, but also continue to find that rhythm as they continue to approach the playoffs. Well, we found our rhythm with a great guest in Doug Brown this week. Shout out to him for lending his time. Remember, if you like, sh- give us a like. Be sure to share, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, and tell us what you want to hear and who you want to hear from. We appreciate you. Enjoy the games this week.